Welcome to the Effects Loop. I'm Scott. And we're keeping you in the loop of the guitar community. This week is brought to you by Electromotive Sound Company and Patreons like our beautiful, beautiful people that support this podcast. Uh, if you want to check out Electromotive Sound Company, you can definitely check out their Reverb Shop. Um, is anything actually in stock right now? He's always building stuff to suit. Ben makes some of the some great, great pedals. I know both Ian and I use them. We have, I have, gosh, I have three of them now. I have, I have his Klon. You have his Klon. Yeah, I have, I have his Klon V2. Um, it's the one that separates the, the clean blend from the drag. Yeah. You know, normally, normally Klons have a, it's an inverse dual concentric kind of thing where it controls both the, the mix between the channels as well as how much gain is going on, all just with one knob. Nice. His separates that and allows us to, to tweak some, it, you know, he blew me away. I, this is the first pedal that I got from him. Documentation is incredible. He seconded some parts and included some extra diodes and stuff to swap things out and, and customize it to taste. And uh, honestly, Ben blew me away. So definitely check out some of his stuff. See what he's got. Um, so if you want to get blown by Ben, check out Electromotive Sound Company. Yeah, that is a promise. <laughs> All right, Ian, it's been, uh, what, two weeks since we've seen you? Yeah. Three weeks? I think so. yeah. What's new? What is new? Um, you know, I finally had a chance to uh, test drive that new Nordland pedal that I talked about last time live. And I got to say, it is just my new favorite thing especially in combination with ben's uh v2 they play really well together and so i don't know maybe just that honestly it's it, i haven't gotten to play out in a while and you know i when i say that i'm a church player really so that's mainly what i mean but i i count it and it felt great it's um, good as someone who is sitting in the house and hearing it yeah that uh that speaks volumes so that's pretty good here, so i'm gonna take that one as a win. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, te- I, I often tease Ian. Uh, so people people that get need the backstory here. So Ian's been like <laughs> just added to the show randomly here and there. Ian and I are friends. He, he's up in Chicago with me. We play at the same church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's how we met each other and became friends, like at our, the old church we used to play at. <laughs> and now now we play and we both play at a, the same church. So there's always a goofy camaraderie between the two of us. Of, oh, yeah. We, we invent conflict, even though we don't need it. <laughs> well, I think, uh, I, you know, my first experience meeting Scott was me trying not to drool over his pedals and ruin them. Um, <laughs> he's us- using a quad cortex now, which is, again, like, you're always one step ahead of everybody else, I think. But uh, at, at the same time, I think we can agree that there's a lot of people that have boards like yours that just do it because they can. You've actually got a really great ear and you always, you know, sound good. Oh, so thank you. Um, you know, yeah, you've got the latest and greatest, but the things that you're doing with those um, 
are really musical and, and intentional. So, but yeah, I mean, I remember, you know, I think that's how we met was like me checking out your board and playing your CE 24 and now I've got a CE 24. And, you know, yeah. So the, the other joke is Ian and I's pedal boards slowly are becoming the same. So <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I talked you into the Volante and didn't really take much convincing. So. No, I did not. Uh, well, I, I guess on my side for what's new, I got a bunch of new stuff in, but none of it's staying. Um, cool. so I jumped on a yeah, package deal. Yeah, we're both having a selling kick, kind of like a reverb. Oh yeah. We, I mean, you're, I'm selling your stuff for you cause you can't handle reverb. Uh, so yeah. between your stuff and my stuff, I think there's like 20 pedals listed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I just don't have the, uh the patience to how should I say this i'm eager to move my stuff when i make the decision to sell it that's i want it gone and that's not always in my best interest because i don't necessarily get the full value of what they're worth i just you know if something little balls me i'm very inclined to take it just out of convenience so i think we're both better off i'd let you take a little bit of the cut anyway because if I had sold it myself, you know, I probably would have accepted the lower offer. You've got a great reverb. So. Yeah. I mean, that's part of my, I mean, all my flips at this point are basically that is like when someone comes up, comes with a, I'm, I'm selling everything yeah. or I'm selling yeah. a lot of stuff all at once. I just want it gone. Um, mm-hmm. And often those kind of people go to stores and stuff like that and they get really low balled by stores because stores have a, a pricing model. Usually they'll give you like 50 to 60% of what they're going to sell it for. So mm-hmm. you don't get market value when you trade in at like a store or whatever. And unless like the discount that you can turn around, like I think it is it guitar center does a, if you trade in, you get 10% off. Maybe something like that, but they always get only like 60% of it. Value. Yeah, but I mean, there was a period of time where people were like trading in cheap pedals and then going and buying a Paul Reed Smith. Huh. So you get like that that ten percent off suddenly pays for itself. Like there's there's people who play the system like that. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, so usually to people like that, I go, I'm like, all right, well they're going to offer you this. Feel free to go get another offer, but I'll give you X amount more. I still mm-hmm. have to flip it and make money, and I'm taking risk here. And so here's what I think I can do, and you know, it once in a while, someone takes it and great. So, um, I did that to somebody and I got a Strymon Iridium, a Maris Mercury seven and a source audio nemesis. So someone clearly just, I think someone just bought an HX stomp. That's really what that says to me. Um, word would highly recommend it to somebody. Well, really anybody. Honestly, yeah. Um, so anyway, I got that. I'm going to sell them at some point. And I, and I bought them at a point that I can try them and then move them. And I won't lose any money. And I might, I might make a little bit here, but not a lot. But it was a safe. This thing, too, you can uh, you can capture the Iridium if you want in your in your QC, all that kind of, you know. Yeah, I, I, I'm generally clear. So I've never tried the Iridium. Like, you had one. Yeah. But I actually, I really liked it. Um, but the thing was, is after... So I've had a stomp on my board for a while. It's just sort of generally catchable. And this is before the update to like the 
3.0 software for a while you can only have like up to six effects running at a time and it sounds like a lot unless you're worship between and uh, eventually they added a couple extra blocks around the same time that a power supply of mine was dying on me and was having a hard time supplying the uh both the stomp and the iridium and so i had the extra blocks and i was like you know what i'll try some of the new amp that they had in the, in the and the helix and everything long story short i got to a point where the the extra space on the board for a new puddle was more valuable to me and i was able to compromise and you know get some pretty good sounds out of the, the song but i really did love the iridium i'm a big fan and this is mainly why i don't have like an all-in-one digital rig right now because i'm still a really big fan of intuitive pedals that just like sound good in almost any setting and i can tweak um, you know, on the fly, and the Iridium was that. You just turn it on, and it sounds great. And it's got all sorts of options. You know, you can load your own IRs and stuff, but uh, it just worked for me, and it worked well. Um, and so I had a really great experience with it. I just, I sold it because my bases were covered. It was a, a bit redundant at that point, and mm. it left some space for some other stuff. Uh, but for anybody looking for you know, a really easy direct amp option, I would recommend it. Yeah, so I'll try it out. I mean, I, I doubt I'm going to like it more than like, well, like yeah. QC, so we'll see. When but. You know, I was at, at a place, when I got the Iridium, actually, it replaced my Kemper stage, which I don't know how many gasps were just uttered. But uh, with the Kemper, I found, again, I still really love physical pedals, and I had a hard time getting rid of the ones that I love. And so the, I wanted to be able to have a board and the Kemper stage, which was just way too much. It was way too much to be carrying around all that at once. And so, yeah, honestly, the Iridium did the trick. It was good enough for me that, uh, and had way less things that I needed to tweak to get a good sound. You know, just plug and play it. it it worked really well. Um, the other thing too that's really nice about the Iridium is that it it is a full model of each of the amps that it's got. So as you tweak the uh, you know the EQ knobs and all that stuff, it is modeling exactly what the EQ knobs do in the individual amps and all that, which the Kemper doesn't do. No, I mean so, it, it, all, all capture technology is like it's a snapshot of what's going on and then there's an eq on top of it but it's not a it's it's like a studio it's a generic EQ. eq right exactly it's it's like having so, an eq rack after or before um your in outs it's not so it's like if you're used to mixing on a console that's what it's like um yeah but it's not like tweaking the knobs on an amp like that's just not modeled yeah so Other i really than the game i found it to be intuitive and plug and play and it's teeny and, you know, it's not the size of a comfort stage. And so uh, at the time, it, it made perfect sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, shall we um, dive into we some news? Okay. Um, interesting. I, you know, Winter Nam was canceled, yet mm-hmm. everyone's kind of doing their Winter Nam releases right now, or at least some major ones are. Um, oh, yeah. We're going to see a few from a few different brands where they're doing full rig or full lineup release announcements, which is kind of funny because, like, I think, at least from the guitar market, I think Winter Nam moving to summer did not is not going to delay all these big releases. I think we're going to see 
over the next week or two, some more of these, because it's still the fiscal year. Right. Or I, I, I'm not, I don't know when anybody declares their fiscal year, but generally January is where everyone makes all the announcements and they hit the stores in the spring. And then summer NAM is usually kind of, here's what's coming out for Christmas ish. So yeah, I'll be interested to see how, uh, how the brands kind of handle this this year. I wonder if anybody's going to be holding some of their stuff back to release at summer NAM or if they'll still just treat summer. Yeah. You know, as, as it's always kind of been treated. I mean, in some ways, I mean, look, I, coronavirus has not necessarily sped up production in a lot of areas there's a lot of delays on a lot of things so i could see where having a 18 month cycle now instead of a 12 month cycle let more development kind of happen but mm-hmm. yeah. what's interesting to me too is you know i mean we see like the development cycle with big companies like apple it's very consistent mm-hmm. i don't necessarily see that in the guitar community and oh and uh, i mean i said it in a good way i on, think that guitars it is um particularly the musical instrument side you know this oh, is instrument side, sure. totally but well, like the boutique yeah, Thunder follows that but yeah exactly the Go boutique ahead. pedal market is generally we release it when we can release it yes which i really like because there's no need to rush to put something out before it's ready yeah or sometimes what you'll see at nam releases is sometimes a prototype like summer nam particularly I've mm-hmm. seen some prototypes where you don't actually see the real thing until like a year or two or three years later. Like Quad Cortex has been a pretty big example of that. Yeah, they they were at what NAM twenty nineteen. It was a while ago. Um, you've got I I remember Old Blood Noise Endeavors came showed up with their white cap at Summer NAM in like eighteen, mm-hmm. and it came out last year. So, and they re-engineered the whole thing they were just they showed up with a pro with a with a prototype and it wasn't what they wanted to do and yeah they changed it so you never know but speaking of boutique pedal companies walrus audio has previously come out with this but they've officially announced it to their main line which is the slodfa how, how do you think you pronounce that because the slo is slow with that two dots yeah, so, maybe Slothma. Slothma? Like yeah. Which is a updated model of their slow multi-textured reverb. Uh, add some new tweaks as well as add some presets, which is pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. They released something similar, or well, they released something under this name when they did their National Park series, if you remember those for... Um, that was Black Friday. Mm-hmm. They always do their special art for Black Friday, so they did in the National Park mm-hmm. series. So they, this came out then, or they came out with one then, but now it looks like this is, has come out to their core line. Um, coming at uh, two twenty nine, So um, similar in price to where a lot of walrus pedals sit at right now. Yeah. Does this I, interest you, you know, any more than the old slow, or are you just kind of, eh? Well, I'll tell you, I think, you know, if you already have a slow, well, I've got an interesting perspective playing in the you know, worship scene. Um, the main thing that is keeping this off my wish list is the lack of uh, stereo. Honestly, other than that, I know you can get some really fantastic sounds out of this. So if you're running a mono rig, uh, like the slow has always been a really great pedal. This with the preset options and all that stuff makes a ton of sense. It's definitely a step in the right direction. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just being honest until until this thing can do stereo, I'm not going to really give it a second 
plants. Yeah, it is an interesting thing because they did do the Juliana. So they came out with a separate right. stereo version of right, a mono pedal. The stereo, they have. Yeah. I was so, expecting to see that with this. I was really excited to see, ooh, Slavana. Or, or not Slavana, Slatva. Um, but yeah, I, no mention of stereo. No, that being said, you know, maybe this article just missed that. But uh, I don't know, we'll see. Yeah, and I mean, the other part is, uh, I don't know if you watched the used market, but I think the slow has kind of run its course. Sure. Or was in its initial hype. Um, used prices have sank pretty good on that compared yeah. to like a lot of the rest of the market. Um, so we'll, we'll see where that winds up. But, um, you know, it's Walrus. You know it's going to be good. They, they, <laughs> Walrus has not yeah. done a bad pedal in memory in a long time. So That's, that's very true. And I'd say, you know, maybe even like for like a synth or something for mom's and parts like this, that, that it, it really is genuinely impressive how massive of a sound you can get out of this for just a mono pedal. Well, I mean, you got to also remember, you you and I run direct at a church that allows us to run stereo. That's, yeah, that's true. Most but if you're the, just the, running this into an amp, like what's yeah. single amp or... Most people yeah. run a mono rig. It's... It, stereo because most people who use amps that means that a second amp needs to be brought yes that drastically changes the dynamic um absolutely you, you've seen yeah, how much i cuss and moan when i'm looking at it yeah it's just yeah for me just with my use case unfortunately it, it just sort of doesn't make the cut um and i believe it, i wish it did because this thing does sound fantastic but you know i'm creating a lot of really great stereo imagery for my reverb that would get lost with this so yeah well maybe this might make the cut orange amplification came out with the guitar butler a guitar yeah. focused version of the bass butler featuring a two-channel preamp and a versatile set of io dude is this I think is, it's fantastic now you have your attention absolutely i think it's amazing i love the amp the box stuff um you know, and like it being a preamp, obviously, like you can use it for any number of situations. You can use it as its own drive pedal, or you can use it as an amp simulation if you're running like some sort of cab sim afterwards. Mm -hmm. um, it's got balanced it's, XLR out with a ground lift switch, so you can just run direct if you need to. Um, does it have a cab sim in it? I didn't. I didn't catch one. Mm, no but you know i think that's okay because to be honest this i mean it seems to be an all analog preamp yeah yeah and the cab sim stuff is digital and this kind of thing i mean analog tech just it doesn't oh there are, there are analog cab sims well okay, i mean like <laughs> the um Tech 21 Sansamp stuff was all, all had cab sims on it. That was analog. That's true, but I don't so, know that necessarily. I mean, that, that's been uh, a thing uh, for a long time. That's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, this isn't, this isn't going to aid down on you, you know. And so I think it's probably the move to keep that out of it. I mean, this is going to be great on any board. And yeah, I mean, you can run plugins after the fact. Even if you're at a church or something, if you're running it at, at a church with like a Pro Tools rig or something, you can toss the cab sim on at the end and just use the xlr house it's mm. it just you know i mean it makes it makes a lot of sense in in recording into an interface the same way you can change your cabs afterwards and use the preamp 
you know, set up just how you like it every time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so here's the rub I have with it. Mm. It's $430. Yeah. Okay. And not to say, hey, this thing's not worth $430 or preamp pedals are not worth $430. I mean, you have... You have the uh, Victory stuff all comes in more expensive than that. The Milkman stuff all comes in all more expensive than that. Like there's precedent for more expensive versions of this. But well, this... and it is, what's interesting too is is obviously this is bridging. Into, I don't know that this conversation is had very often because we really just put these in pedal categories from the start. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is I mean this more than most is a lot closer to an actual amplifier. And so if you're looking at it as an amp head, that price point isn't too bad. Yeah, and but I mean, so let's walk that back a little bit more. So last year, two years ago, uh, Orange came out with the Terror Stamp, which was the, ter- the Terror Box in a pedal form. So it mm-hmm. actually had a power amp in it. This does not have a pedal power amp in it. Good point. Yeah, um, you're not driving any, uh, a speaker with this. Yeah. So I'm just not sure about it where this sits in the market and does this make sense? Cause at the same time, you're also at, when you're in the four or $500 range, I know it's kind of a gimmick, but there's guys who are putting out things with tubes in it. Like they're putting out two preamps in a, in a pedal mm-hmm. form, True. not too far away from this price point. So it is one of those things of like, I just don't know. Well, I guess we'll just have to uh, see more demos. Honestly, uh, maybe, yeah. uh, maybe this is just a me thing. I think, you know, or, when it comes to amps, orange does something just different. You know, an orange mm-hmm. when you hear it. And so if it's got the sound, um, you might not be able to get that sound out of some of these other, you know, products even with tubes in it. So, yeah, I mean, we'll really just have to see. I think orange is a little bit more of a niche brand, um, anyway. Not that it should be, because I mean, you can get everything from clean to dirty out of orange um but yeah i don't know we'll see uh i guess we'll just have to see what what the demos are like yeah so moving on um spaceman effects has relaunched the explorer the six stage phaser in a more compact enclosure um are ian have you bought into the spaceman hype are you even aware of this brand um peripherally so historically, Spaceman is just ridiculously, they're always out of stock. You know, they're always hard mm-hmm. to get into. They have a great cult following. So um, seeing, you know, some of these pedals come out. Now, now, this is a phaser that's coming in at $279. So it is not entry level by any means. Right. Um, but people who like specific phasers would really probably be just going after this like crazy I, I mean i bet you this is already sold out yeah well you know i get it in fact, like phaser like well i don't spend a lot of time with that kind of stuff if i'm tossing a phaser on something it's probably inside logic after the fact just as a let's try it kind of thing mm. i'm not a phaser guy but i also have tried enough phasers to know that if i were to be a phaser guy I'd spend a lot of money on it because they really can't. It's it's a nuanced thing. It's a deep rabbit hole you can oh, go down. Oh, yeah. And so I, I have a lot of respect for it, but I just, uh, you know. Yeah, I don't know. 
Well, so what's pretty cool about this guy is it can run from anywhere from 9 volts to 24 volts, which I guarantee, since this is an analog phaser, it's you're going to experience the changes that that does. Um, oh, yeah. There's a CV and um, expression pedal input, so I'm hoping you can mess with ramps and things like that. There's that would be sweet. six different shapes, waveform shapes you can mess with, mm -hmm. um, which always makes these things really cool. So, I mean, when we start looking at the future packing on this thing, I mean, that, that is where you know what it the cost me starts of? getting really justified. What was it reminding me of? This reminds me of, this is, this is like, this makes me think of the Origin Cali 76, something is it, like that. Is it the you're, Jewel Light? Uh, well, it's, I think it's a combination of everything. The Jewel Light definitely is, but even just all of those controls in such a small form factor while still staying analog is really impressive. Yeah, this will be pretty cool. I mean, again, I guarantee you this thing is sold out already. But um, yeah. if if it's not, and hopefully they do a long production run of it, um, actually still in stock. I wow. stand corrected. So, um, or at least in, so it also comes in silver, red, and black. So there's That's a few cool. different color options that you can choose in here. Um, that black looks pretty sweet. Yeah. And the other thing I like is um, this is this is one of my like pedantic things, but when you put side jacks on something, you put the power on the side too. Yes. Don't put it on the top. Yep. <laughs> I, other brands do that. It drives me insane because it's like, well, just do one or the other. Like if I gotta if I gotta put bulk on left and right side, just right. make sure the height's not too bad. If it's yes. all top mounted, okay. don't put a side jack on it. You know those kind of things. So. Although, to be honest, can we just, it's 2022. Why don't we just all put side jacks? Uh, I, I still got room in the world for side jacks, man. Um, I'll take it on mini pedals. I'll take it on mini pedals. I know that there's really not a way to get around it there. Mm. But yeah, when it when, when the, the pedal gets big, which, I mean, spaceman effects are not the smallest single size enclosures. They're, they tend to be a little bigger, so. Mm-hmm. Um. Actually, speaking maybe of a bigger, bigger enclosure, uh, <laughs> Source Audio comes up with the. I'm going to say this is Zio. Zio. I am so pumped about this thing. Uh, which is a analog front end and boost with four different preamp circuits in one box and a 20 dB range of boost. Now, the 20 dB range of boost is kind of like a lot of them do that range. But um, I'll let you get into a little bit more of uh, why the preamp side is so interesting and fun. You know, I, the preamp, you know, having the options basically to choose. Playing a, a preamp pedal is really all about feel, if you ask me. And having the four different options to control how you want something to feel going into your other pedals. Like, I generally like to put a boost up front before my drives. And so the first thing, you know, generally that's, that's interacting with my guitar signal is something like this or a compressor. And so being able to control the feel up front is really critical. And you can get a lot of different, uh, it's, you can adjust to this. I mean, the feel of something will change how you play. Oh yeah. So even just from a creativity standpoint, it'll drive you in, in new directions. If you're recording and something's getting stale, try a different circuit. 
it'll yeah. feel a little different. You do something different with it. It's great. And then the, the EQ uh, selections on this stuff too are, are awesome. I, I love the fact that it's simple, to be honest. There's, there's two knobs on this, the circuit knob and the output knob. The tone options are on a three-way toggle. And then you can select what the, what the switch does, whether it bypasses or it mutes. And I kind of really love that simplicity too, because if I'm using a preamp pedal up front, I mean, chances are I'm not doing much. I, I don't want too much tonal shaping. It's not like I'm doing anything drastic. And so, um, you know, talking about, you know, coming from a guy who likes the simple pedals, it, this just seems really cool. It makes me sort of think of the, what are those, like the sweet boost pedal out of, uh, what is that? Uh, who did that? Exotic. Yeah. They've got the super sweet, like those things with the toggles on them. It's like, it's kind of awesome because it just is what it is and doesn't apologize for it. Mm -hmm. It also sets yeah. itself up to be, there's some other interesting kind of little, well, like, huh, I wonder what really inspired this, but it kind of makes sense once you look at it. It has an extra line out slash tuner out mode. Mm -hmm. um, and apparently you can set it up to either bypass or just actually mute. Yeah. So again, I mean, it really does seem like it's designed for how I would use it. Mm -hmm. Having this be the first thing that interacts with your guitar signal. So you put this up front, it's got a, it's got a tuner out. So your tuner isn't sucking tone in any way. Um, and you can use it as a mute if you want. And so this is generally going to be, if, you know, if you're using it as a mute, this is sort of an always on kind of thing. Um, almost just like plugging your guitar directly into an amplifier, the same feel, but you get to add other effects after. Yeah. I'll also say that, um, the studio mode is based on a Poltec preamp, which is a big deal, uh, for studio heads. Yeah. And there's not a lot on the market in the Poltec side of the world. You know what else yet. this would be really great for, too? Hmm. Is even somebody recording direct in a studio. Yeah, could be. In a home studio. You just put this on the floor and run it into it, and you've got some analog feel that's talking right to your guitar. So if you don't have an interface that has an, uh, a direct, like a high Z input, mm -hmm. or even if you do, just changing the, the real feel of... Uh, you know, what you're plugged into. Yeah. So we'll see again. I mean, um, I think this goes beyond the typical expensive boost. I mean, at 200 bucks, it's 200 bucks for a boost is a hard bargain yeah. often. And you have to think, do things like, Oh, uh, it's germanium or, uh, <laughs> you know, you have to yeah. use the magic transistors and diodes and stuff. Um, or like, it, it's hard to make the value proposition on boosts often when they're just a straight up boost. Because there's yeah. so much on the market there, but this kind of differentiates itself. So I'm kind of, kind of curious what this kind of looks like and what people wind up using it for. I gotta be honest. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I'd really like to try this in place of my broadcast AT. Interesting. Yeah, I I don't know if it's going to get as dirty as your broadcast, but it will do the preamp. With that though, you know, the the broadcast for the most part, I run with just a tiny bit of hair on it, um, but I love what it does to the EQ. It's got, you know, a couple of different switches. So, or, uh, it, you know, it's the, the AP has a toggle switch for the EQ, for the low part. Mm -hmm. And so I basically just have it two different settings depending on where I want to sit in the mix. Um, and generally, like, you know, I'll, I'll take a bit of it, it. What's important about the broadcast, too, is that the EQ happens before 
the gain. And so if you hit the gain circuit with too much bass, it can really flub out on you. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, having a toggle switch to cut the, the, the low end of a humbucker guitar so that it still stays tight and all that stuff is, is really great. But other than that, I just put a little bit of hair on it and it adds this kind of sizzle that you don't get out of must drive. Um, but it's even more an EQ thing. And with these different toggle uh, options on this guy running in the puddles, I think, you know, that could really do the same thing. Um, as well as just impact the, the overall feel, which is something that the sizzle like that adds does for me as well. So, yeah, very interesting. I'm very intrigued by this. Yeah. Uh, other intriguing things, MXR has released the Poly Blue, which is uh, a retake on the Blue Box Octave Fuzz that they had with some additional controls and features and adding modulation. Also offers up to four octaves, of control which is ridiculous um uh and uh some other kind of interesting things. yeah expression in um it's got so it's based on jimmy page's uh fool in the rain with led zeppelin um kind of sound i don't i'm, I'm not a big enough zeppelin head to remember that one off the top of my head but, yeah i'm in same boat here well, here's a link to it <laughs> as you scroll down. Um, Octave Fuzz is an effect I have yet to really master, but I'm sure people are going to be all over this at 200 bucks. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, actually, so you can... What's interesting is that it's digital, so that might throw some people off at first. Well, there's digital controls, that... right? It's like it's not all digital. Well, true, yes. Um, but there is a, yeah, it's a, you can do a monophonic versus polyphonic kind of thing, which to me kind of screams like, oh, okay, so the octave stuff has to be digital, right? And, uh, and you know, sort some of, lovers so of like, octave fuzz. There's like analog use... uh, polyoctave stuff. Got it. Like semi, it's like the same way like there's analog delay. It's not right. really analog, but it's sort of analog. Sure. In, in other words, there's a dedicated chip that does it, but it's not a DSP. It's like. Right, right. You send something into it. Um, so the cool thing is with the expression pedal, you can actually have two different settings um, and rotate between them. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. So I could see a lot of people like octave down, octave up, octave down, octave up kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And and do that kind of a blending or, or all sorts of stuff. So some cool stuff. I'm curious. I, I need to listen to some demos on this. I haven't actually heard it yet. Um and see where that one turns out. Yeah, I mean, two hundred bucks for a fuzz, um, not unheard of these days. Fuzz is definitely, I think, coming back. Um, oh, it's been into, back, son. Well, I don't. There's an argument that it never really went away, but in terms of like <laughs> the boutiqueness and you know the sort of the flavor of the day, I think fuzz is more on everybody's radar in terms of that you know what's interesting is fuzz is one of those categories and maybe this has been my conception fuzz is one of those categories where generally people pay a lot of respect for the original circuits oh it's and if it's new it's got to be great whereas with overdrive panels it's kind of the opposite the tried and true stuff um 
generally informs, you know, the circuits that are being made today, but people aren't going back and, you know, scarring the internet for there, there's yeah, something to be there's something to be said buy. about how many people pay ridiculous amounts of money um with uh uh for like original tube screamers so i mean yeah and well, technically the 80s is vintage now so. because because the the odrc that i picked up from nordland is based on you know 1990s yeah, and we talked about Klon. I mean, studio yeah, there's stuff. It's just, you know, it's a different era. I mean, fuzzes all came out in the 80s and the 70s, or sorry, not the 80s, in the 60s yeah. and the 70s. So it was, it was well, a different era. Even companies like JHS that are putting out new fuzzes are still very strongly staying true to the roots of fuzz. But it has been, it has been interesting, you know, companies like Beatronics and others coming out with brand new, you know, fuzz now. Well, you know, you know who came out with an old fuzz. We talked about it last week on the show. Gibson has revived the Maestro brand fully, and, I, and so I'm surprised by this. They teased the brand, and everyone was like, "Oh, cool, we're going to see an FC one, which is like the original fuzz circuit or one of the original fuzz circuits." Um, you know, the that's a satisfaction Rolling Stones. That's the sound. Um, so they Gibson has actually released an entire line, five whole pedals, um, all under the Maestro branding, which is their first, I believe. Well, not really their first pedal, but it's a it's a dedicated brand uh, and lineup. So you've got. You know what I love about this most? Yeah. Well, first of all, let's talk about the lineup. We've got the the Fuzztone FZM. We've got the Ranger Overdrive, the Invader Distortion. The comic chorus and the discoverer delay and of course it's all you know the vintage vibes and stuff the casings look fantastic um, by the way that's a that's an analog delay yeah so I, what i love the most about this is that for a brand that is re-releasing retro you know pedals like this mm -hmm. they're all launching at between 150 and 160 dollars yeah they're really affordable how amazing is that? You know, a lot of these, the retro reissues go for more money. Because... Yeah. Now there's a cynic in me that says, are they, <laughs> all right, did Gibson generate this or did they just, you know, are they recycling somebody else's design? Are these, these are probably Chinese made at those price points. You know, there's, there's a lot of that cynicism that I think will fall on this. Um, but, um, Interesting, nonetheless, to see another player in the industry, and frankly, in it, a player with with backing. I mean, you've got Gibson's distribution network, so every guitar center is going to have these. Yeah. Well, let's also let's if we get into some of the the feature sets of these pedals. I mean, they're all pretty simple. They've got three knobs and a toggle on on every one. But yeah. I mean, for one hundred and fifty dollars to get a distortion pedal with a built-in gate. Yep. Come on. Or I at mean, that point, it doesn't matter if it's Chinese made. It doesn't matter, you know, what circuit it is. I mean, for one hundred and fifty dollars, you can barely get a JHS pedal for that. Yeah. Except for the, you know, I mean, honestly, their their new uh, what's the cheap the nine series the all or three series? Yeah, three series. Series, yeah. I mean, those um, are those are great pedals too. But yeah, but yeah. So the other interesting part is uh, both they're all analog. 
they all have a sort of a two mode option. So if you mm -hmm. go through, there's a there's a modern and classic mode on the FCM. On the Ranger, there's a low and a high mode. Um, on the distortion, there's a gate on and off. Comet Chorus has an orbit and earth mode, which are two different types of chorus sounds. The Discover Delay has a modulation on and off. I know... Um, the delay, by the way, is it's the one that is more expensive. It's 160 instead of 150, but yeah. it's got internal cuts for you to mess with the modulation. Yeah. I mean, for 160 bucks. How much does a um, carbon copy cost? That's 99, isn't it? Is it that cheap? These days. Well, so here. Oh no, it's 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 up to 150 again. Okay, so it's about the same ballpark, and that's your analog delay competitor. With modulation. Yeah, so they're making a play here, and a convincing play. I mean, we'll see how they sound. I mean, is this a rebadged Behringer situation, you know, or is this a... Uh, um, I'll know. say this too. Top Mountain Jacks. Yes, Top Mountain Jacks. Unique enclosure design. I love it. Um, I, I, it's like perfectly I, retro. It, it, they really have a those, good, good aesthetic, and I like the three light LED. The three light, yeah, I just noticed that too, that that's the LED. That's beautiful. That is so cool. It's got three LEDs, a red, a yellow, and a blue on every one that lights up. Super vintage, super cool. Well, super retro, I'll say, you know. Vintage, yeah. So we'll, we'll see how these... These are once they hit the streets. I again, uh, you know, these are a lot of uh, announcements without demos and material and all those kind of things. So we uh, sure. we'll see how that all turns out. Now yeah. for what everyone is sick of talking about on the internet right now, Paul Reed Smith has come out with more guitars. <laughs> so last week we talked about the Silver Sky coming out. Uh, there's a lot more to the rest of the lineup that has come out. So let's just mm -hmm. run down here. Um, Starting with, uh, they have a, uh, I'm going to say quote unquote new model, which is the 2408. Uh, the 2408 comes in an S2 and in an SE. Uh, that's a dual humbucker tone volume with um, the 408 switching system. Um, so there's uh, unique switching options. There's there's two kind of uh, toggle mini toggle switches between them. That allow for individually splitting the pickups, which most PRS guitars kind of have an all or nothing. Yeah, that's really intriguing to me uh, as an owner of the of the CE twenty four. I mean, we even talked about maybe doing a mod of of the CE twenty four that that would allow yeah. me to do it because I would really love an option to be able to easily switch between a single coil at the neck and a humbucker at the bridge, depending on the song. And right now, you'd have to switch the pickups. And, you know, no, the, pickup, the, uh, the pickups will split. Stuff. You just need to do, you'd need to redo your volume pot to become a push pull. And then you could split them individually. Yeah, right. If I could split them individually, that would be a simple solution. Right now, I can't. And yeah. so, while the CE24 has amazing sounds in it. But... Well, the, the other thing you need to remember is there is a shunt resistors get put into place when you split pickups on a PRS. Mm -hmm. that helps them stay the same volume. Right. So that's Which why is... you split both at the same time. 
is because that resistor comes in. It doesn't mess with your like brightness of your uh, tone caps and stuff like that. That's why. This is why we have you, Scott. Uh, have, have you never looked at inside your guitar? Have you you never took the back panel off? Never you know, curious. Listen, uh, well, okay, I am a curious person, so it's not like I'm generally the kind of person that's just like, if it works, it works. But honestly, uh, if it works, it works. <laughs> if it works, it works. That guitar just sounds good. I don't need to care too much about how it sounds good. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, we also have. Orianthi has a private stock model, which is very ornate. Um, uh, yeah. Looks gorgeous. Good for her. Um, when this came out, I actually went and tried to listen to some more Orianthi music, and I'm just like, she's talented. I just, it's not for me. Anyway, and, and of course, I need to feel, I feel the need to say something like that, because, of course, we all have to have an opinion on something. Anyway, um, it will not be limited, but they will close out orders on that thing. It seriously, the the inlays on this thing is just this gorgeous sort of vine with flowers coming out of it as That's the front nice. dots. It, it's really great, and then it's got this pink to purple burst on the top that is pretty loud. So yeah, it's very specific, but work hard. That inlay is like breathtaking. Yeah. Um, it's like this. Yeah, you just gotta look it up. <laughs> There's nothing we can say, I think, to to paint the picture that is this guitar. <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta see it. Yeah. So they also um, they're coming out with a new pickup voiced or a, a voiced Fishman pickup. So they have their own unique voicing on it for the SE acoustics. Um, and I think um, a few new guitars, including the SE Mark Holcomb, um, both six and seven string, and the SE Custom 24 Floyd can come with a shallow violin top carve, um, like Paul's guitar and the SE Custom 24. Um, mm -hmm. And they're coming out with new finishes for the Hollow Body 2 and the SE Paul's guitar. So I would say uh, it's it's not the, I remember, remember last year they came out with the studio model and the deluxe, so it's mm -hmm. not as wild, but um, pretty cool. Some good new stuff, um, but it all kind of pales in comparison with last week with, let's be honest, this is probably going to be the best selling, that was probably going to be the best selling guitar of the year. And yeah, everyone's going to be see. mad and argue about it for a while, but the truth is, people really want to buy that guitar for at least the next year or two. And we'll see maybe maybe we can do a little bit of lip services to some of the conversation we had off screen about that. I won't get into the SE Silver Sky specifically very much, but what's mm -hmm. interesting is that I think as of late, the reputation that PRS has is that it's Hot able streak. to somehow compete at, um, with you know the big staple brands i mean everybody knows prs but that's because it's got some really big names behind it now if john mayer plays it everybody knows about it that doesn't mean that it's a, as big of a company as fender or gibson and so you know a company making any decision to be putting out a guitar um, especially with with paul i know at this point he's still sitting comfortably he's not fighting to get his brand out there anymore but 
Yeah, like he, he has his distribution network. People come to him now. Um, right. But you can also be sure that, you know, Fender can take a chance. And it's not that they are. I mean, they, they have in some ways with some of the crazier Mexican models and stuff, like over offshore models that they put out. Well, they had the whole paranormal series. And but also the parallel standard, universe. And... Their standard line, though, has for the most part stayed safe and consistent. But, uh, yeah, I mean, with, with Paul, I mean, you can you can be very sure that a lot of thought goes into any line that he puts out because yeah, I mean, he's not, he's not operating at the same scale. So the fact that we're even talking about PRS as much as we are, says a lot. Yeah. I, I also say there's, there's a few guitars that I would really point to are the ones that like were big hitters for him. Um, mm -hmm in recent memory. So I would say like the Zach Myers was definitely one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, and coming out with like a SE Zach Myers, that's that guitar sold. Um, I'm seeing yeah. a lot of SE, uh, parlor acoustics now. Yes. That model has seemed to be very popular with people and just hit the right price point and everything that's out there. And is it CME that's got that? Is it, is it an exclusive like shell pink almost color? On that thing? Uh, I'm unaware of that one. But, I played one, and it's like seven hundred bucks or something like that. And yeah, it's pretty affordable. Sounds good, and it feels fantastic. Yeah, uh, and I mean, there's stuff like I mean, like the the PRS Sounds Era was supposed to be the the new Hot Rod Deluxe killer, and it hasn't really caught on. So I mean, there's yeah. there's 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 failures on their parts, or I wouldn't say failures necessarily, but just like misses and things that haven't really yeah. caught on. Uh, but the other thing I would also say is we saw last year. Gibson's disappeared. They couldn't get them out the door. They couldn't make them. Um, but yeah, and let's, that's that's another thing that's really worth talking about um, with with PRS is that they stayed in production. Well, yeah, and let's talk about why they are still a smaller brand that doesn't operate at the scale of a larger company like Gibson or Fender, and they're able to do things like age their woods longer. Um, and it really does affect the final product. Um, and, you know, even like a, a couple of years like we've had, they've probably been sitting on the woods that they're using building these guitars for half a decade to a decade already. And they've already bought ahead of time for this stuff. So they're probably not hit as hard from a production standpoint. Yeah. You know, they might feel it in another several years. Well, that actually might be a, a bigger reality. I mean, I, I will just say it's just what I've noticed, um, at least around me, um, we have a guitar center, we have a Chicago Music Exchange. Those are kind of the two guitar stores I, I go to um, when I go to guitar stores. PRS's stock and wall presence has grown, um, particularly at Chicago Music Exchange, largely because Gibson's has shrunk because they can't keep Gibson's in stock. Yeah. Um, and Gibson's not keeping up with the production demands. So um, it, it, they, it seems like they've really seized upon the opportunity to kind of fill in some of those gaps. And that, that could be a big part of it is people are going like, all right, I want to lose Paul, but you know, maybe I'll get a McCarty, you know, yeah. I don't know, uh, or a single cut or whatever they're, well, they're doing. And if you, quality instrument is worth the money yeah. to an extent. I, I will absolutely say that. And I've got a couple of PRSs and I've got a Fender American Pro. I love all of my guitars. 
Um, but it took my Fender a few years to settle into the beautiful instrument that it is now. Whereas off the rack, my PRSs have just been perfect. And, you know, I mean, it's worth a little bit more money for what is still consistently a very high quality instrument. Yeah. I I mean, well, this is starting to become the, the PRS apologist show when Tom was on last week too, doing the same thing. So. Yeah. Well, I just, you know, I just, I wanted to mention this all because we can't necessarily put this brand in the same group, even though people are, it, it gets a lot of attention mm-hmm. again, because it's got a lot of really great artists. It's got a, a ton of YouTube presence too. Some of V2's top guitarists. And that that's, again, that's a genius marketing from Paul's standpoint, but that does not reflect the size of his company. That just reflects the smartness of his brand. And so credit where credit's due here, they're putting out great instruments. And um, the fact that, it, you know, they're just copying other guitars where hey, everybody does that. And he started where every other small brand that you still know of now started. And he's been able to turn it into something that most of those other brands haven't gotten to yet. Yeah. So uh, let's uh, let's keep plowing through here because we got yeah. too much got stuff to more. talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Vintage Icon comes out vintage comes out with the icon v65 v um which is coming in at less than 500 pounds which is crazy of a low price for what looks to me like a p90 jazz master that is just relic to kingdom come but at the same time if you look at it those relics are identical <laughs> oh yeah so it's a yeah, template that relic, may as well relic. be stenciled yeah yeah mm-hmm. um well that's how they relic some places is they they'll just paint over tape and then they'll rip the tape out and so they could stencil on tape and then pull it off um sorry industry secrets here um it comes in two finishes both worn in a black and a sunburst to give the guitar a pawn shop gem vibe 22 frets 25 and a half scale lengths soft maple c bolt on neck all, all your body um it, it they are wilkinson soap bar p90s instead of Jazzmaster single coils. Um, I believe that's it. Yeah, it's a Tunematic style bridge with a Jazzmaster style vibrato. I don't believe either of them are actually branded. Um, Torque Guard and Wilkinson Tuning Heads. Yeah. Um, you know, um... Actually, 429 pounds each. I mean, even if you got to pay another hundred bucks to import this, I, I, I can see people jumping on this. Just for the price point alone, they're worth checking out. So, relic job at that price point. I've got to just be honest about my preconceptions here. Oh, you think I'm you're going to play like a square, right? I'm not even talking about playing. I'm if they well, they've got to make just. I mean money is money right they've got to be making some compromise somewhere and so either yeah, it's some hard really great up. photos that are making that relic job look better than it will look in person or yeah it's going to play like a squire oh you think uh, it's going to be like a, the a lower fender, model squire was it was it the fender road worn where they did the the relic jobs but they were all like identical mm-hmm. and 
I mean, they were like they were a cheaper. But also, you know, it's interesting to me that the the jazz masters, the model that they choose to do this in, because I mean, it's got to be one of the, those guitars that people spend the most money on modifying. Even brand new American Fenders get new hardware. Yeah. But, you know. So. Huh. Do you know? Bill maybe Tom- it actually makes a lot of sense. If people are going to be modifying it anyway, you're getting a great looking paint job, which, let's be honest, is the hardest to modify. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're going to spend money upgrading these, the hardware anyway, as long as it's got good bones. Yeah. So it's apparently, um, Old Town School folk music is a vintage dealer, but they don't have any on their shelf right now. But yeah, um, say this too. P90s seem to be good pickups to take cheaply. Yeah, uh, it works. Um, I mean, the other part you got is um, uh, most people prefer a P90 and a Jazzmaster. There's a reason why there's a lot of Jazzmasters that have P90s in them, or you know, takes on it, like the Fano and yeah. that, that was a whole trend. I don't know. I don't, I, I guess offset guitars have kind of faded. They don't seem to be that popular or as popular as they used to be. Well, Strats kind of came back in style, I would say. Strats very much did come back in style, even just sonically. Um, you know, there was a really big push in like the indie pop kind of realm for jazz masters. Mm-hmm. Um, in the last like four years, five years, but yeah, I mean, strats are just, that's what always come back around and it seems like that's been the trend lately. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're getting a jazz master, I'd say even the P90s just make sense anyway, because they will always remain more versatile. Maybe yeah. that's a hot take, but, um, I, I mean, I play, I play a jazz master. You, you've played my jazz master. You know how shrill they can get and... Yeah. You either love it or you're like, oh, I got to deal with it. And you see a lot yes. of people modify Jazzmasters. It's a very popular mm-hmm. modding platform because people generally don't like them out of the box. So, yeah. Well, um, and to be honest, just as a guitar, um, unless it's got the, re- I really do enjoy a well set up Jazzmaster Trump. But that's what people spend a lot of money on, you know, non stock hardware for. And so, other than that, you can put in a guitar. I don't need a jazz master for that sound. Yeah. Well, you know, the other fun part is since it's P90, it's a it's a standard route. So now you can swap in uh, P90 sized other stuff too. True. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Fender Custom Shop has introduced. Okay, it's interesting there's only one Fender Custom Shop so far. Usually Winter Nam is like Fender Custom Shop, just nuts, right? Like that's usually yeah. their big release. But um, they've come out with a limited edition Telecaster based on Terry Kath's of Chicago. Um, so you got a nice little Chicago Blackhawks uh, logo on there. I'm surprised they got away with it, but I guess there's licensing maybe. I don't know. Um, which he had uh, just covered in stickers and and whatnot so um they're only 50 made i bet you they're already sold out 
Um, and they're 20 grand. But, you know, like, have you, <laughs> have you seen how they do custom shops at Winter Nam? Mm-mm. So they have, they let everybody walk through and, um, people put their business cards in them. Like dealers ah. put their business cards in them for the opportunity to buy it. And then they'll pick one of the business cards and that's the person who gets to buy. Mm-hmm. And so there's a game of like, you know, like nobody, no guitar has only one guy's, um, business card in it. So it's always a gamble of like, what are you going to get from the vendor custom shop this year? Right. Wow. Yep. That's crazy. I'm curious if, uh, you know, yeah, you mentioned that only one is coming out this year. That might be simply because of, uh, I think that's the no name effect. I think they're, you're going to see more. That's a good point. You're going to see more. Um, speaking of a lot more, ESP launches 43 new models for 22. Now, I guarantee you this is not new, new. This is new finish options on a lot of existing guitars. But um, And they're adding Abertunes to a lot. So you got, first off, the Snakebite camo finish on the J- James Hetfield, which looks pretty dope. Dude, I'm not a camo guy. That looks amazing. Yeah, it looks pretty good. Um, they have the LTD Aero C- Series editions, which are, um, it's a V with a bottle opener shape on it. <laughs> it's um, a better V. Yeah. Um, Tunematic Bridge, Fishman Fluence. This has got to be one of the smartest releases yeah. that we're even talking about. Because this is this is a guitar brand, and not all of them can get away with this. But this is a guitar brand that is making the changes that people in the scene want. Everton Fluence pickups are amazing. Everton yep. bridges are amazing. The finish options are fantastic. It allows a lot of variety. And no one's uh, stuck saying, "Well, if you don't build it like how you built it in 1956, it's crap." Yeah. So. Oh yeah, exactly. So yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm wildly impressed by what i'm seeing yeah uh you got the ec series which is the single cut model the eclipse uh (sighs) is our audience even into this (laughs) they've got even additional there's the viper series has like baritone yeah added to it like yeah and honestly yeah we're talking about a slightly more niche kind of here. I mean, these are metal guitars. Yeah. Yep. Um, metal punk. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, in that scene, something like an Everton Bridge makes a world of difference. A world of difference. Yeah, especially, uh, I mean, depending on how you play and, like, what way you play, the Everton can be incredible. Oh, yeah. So, uh, go check them out. And the finishes alone. Yeah. I mean, so... There's no way we're just going to read this list and just go through it because Diaz is not here. Um, but you can you can go online, look through this whole new catalog, and there's tons of new things. And also, we don't know prices and we don't know anything else. Like, so it's kind of hard to tell what's going to be like the darling that jumps out of this. But but you know, if you're listening, you know if you're inclined to check this out. Yeah, and you know if you're not. Yeah, and a similar brand, Solar, also announced five new uh, Fishman equipped uh, electric guitars. So you've got. Um. Oh god, I hate their model numbers. <laughs> if you like Ibanez, yeah. you want it to come with a Fishman. 
yeah uh fishman fluences all throughout you know multi-piece necks locking tuners floyd roses um pretty reasonable price points too i mean these sit around like 1200 bucks yeah they're more sort of classic finishing options here we're seeing some bursts and you know like a cream and white yeah they're not as uh metal-y which honestly helps yeah it helps i think too like as you're seeing i think the metal scene and i'm one of the least qualified people to talk about this but just from my experience anyway it seemed like for a while there the metal scene was like all right you've got to have your prerequisite number of tattoos ear piercings all that kind of stuff and you know a buddy of mine's in a metal band and half these guys look like they just came straight from the office It's, you know, you can express yourself musically in that way without having to, you know, not be able to get a day job or whatever. <laughs> it's, you know, which it's not to say that I believe that anybody should be discriminated against based on their tattoos or piercings or anything. It's 2022, but you know what I'm saying. That's it. I, it's kind of cool that you've got really, really great guitars that are in that vein that yeah, I mean, don't have to have that vibe if you're not looking for it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I would even say, like, Ivan, as in recent years, has kind of veered more into the classical aesthetic while still having all the high function, too. You've seen that with, like, all the AZ mm -hmm. series and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Charvel has calmed down their looks a little bit mm -hmm. to accommodate that crowd a little bit, too, so... You're, uh, well, you know, sewer is it can can be used in, in that vein too. Yep. And you've definitely got more classic looking. So you've got options. I mean, there's tons of new stuff, and I mean, this is again, this is the a lot of this can just be new finishes for the year and some of that. But at the same time, um, I would definitely say ESP embracing the Evertune is a big deal. So definitely, and you know new finish options i think we can all kind of like admit to being a little disappointed that that that, that might all be what a brand releases for the year but oh, dude, at the same time that's all fender's gonna release for like the next month <laughs> right and you know and again and that's sort of just like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's easy for them they just change the paint color and they sell a thousand more guitars but at the same time i mean we all know that we buy guitars based on both yeah, um, Mr. Uh, Pre-ordered a PRS based on solely at being blue. Well, I mean, yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. But yeah. And, know, and, I, well, I mean, that's me. I mean, <laughs> you saw me finally look at Paul Reed Smith because, well, actually, you and I weren't friends then, but like, I always ignored them. I always thought they were really loud. And then suddenly they finally came out with the Trampus Green and the CE. And I was like, ooh, yeah. hi. Well, it's the same for me. Like, I could never see myself getting a, a PRS that wasn't the Silver Sky because the the that look just wasn't for me. I ended up getting a really, really great color. And that made all the difference. I didn't care how good of a guitar it was. If it, if it wasn't my vibe, I wasn't going to play it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and frankly, the, that color is no longer in production. So, for both uh, of us, I don't think the Green Burst or the Trampus Green are still in production. So well, that, we jumped that on them. Really wasn't, yeah, it was exclusive to 2020. I remember, and it's it's amazing. It's it's the same Trampus Green, but it it goes to a darker 
true green kind of burst around the edges and just finished and bring back and I absolutely adore it. Yeah. And it's the last, it's like the least expected guitar. Like you've seen mine. Like I, all the other guitars that I've owned have pretty much fallen under the same color palette. And this one's pastel. a little out there, but it, yeah. Yeah. More pastel color palette. Yep. Um, admittedly that's my vibe, but this one, yeah, it, it spoke to me, but it took, it took the right finish option. So, you know, maybe we'll have players playing Evertunes and all these other things that never really vibed with the existing finish options and stuff. I, I, I am still really excited to see that coming in. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm never going to knock um, a special color having a special meaning or yeah. like a certain one jumping out in a certain year. Um, yeah. And it's not like Fender does a consistent like year one, we come out with these colors, year two, we come out with these colors, year three, we come out with these colors, like where we it's know the fashion. pattern at this time. Um, and honestly, I've kind of been a little disappointed at some of the bigger brands in the, the colors that they've picked for the you know fashion of the year. I don't know how that is. It's like, oh, no, I really love that guitar, but it just, I can't find the finish for it. I mean, remember, they're, they're selling the guitars that the most people will buy. Yes. There's a reason yeah. why there's a three-tone sunburst in every fender exactly that's what people buy myself included how many i have two well definitely exactly so if you're if you're trying to be an individual it just sometimes can be a little disheartening because you're like well i love that guitar but do i really need to compromise you want to finish anything but it makes sense i mean they're brands that are just trying to push yeah yeah at the same time apple has been able to sell us space gray and silver for like 20 years now well i guess the whole white aesthetic of apple has gone away but yeah. yeah, it has. It has to some degree. I, Apple is interesting in that I think, in a way, Apple has been at the forefront of aesthetic. Well, that's because everyone copies them because everyone's already buying apples. I mean, that's they're the tastemakers on on the aesthetic, not necessarily because they're innovating. Exactly. Because um, I mean, it's really um, it's a lot of Johnny Ive is. I won't say he's. A, I'm not going to accuse him of being a copycat. But his his inspirations are very obvious. Yeah, well, Apple is one of those brands that does not embody form follows function. Yeah, form anyway. and function are of equal priorities. And what's interesting is is with guitars, we are oftentimes. I mean, you could say every brand, every guitar brand out there is derivative of designs that came out of the fifties and sixties. And so at this point. The body styles have been done. It's the colors that need to stay hip. We all know what sound we're going for, mm-hmm. right? It's tested and true. If you like a Strat, you like a Strat. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that in 2022, I should need to be choosing between Daphne Blue and, you know, three-tone burst. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, we'll see what we'll see what comes. I mean, I I don't know what the over under is going to be, but in the next month, we'll probably see a new color lineup from both Gibson and from Fender. Just because that's the season. This is when we transition. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what they come out with. There you go. Uh, speaking of new colors, I don't know if you did. You guys talk about the new uh, Mark Latiri color? Uh, we missed that. that. We, mi- we, we missed that in the the PRS rundown. Yeah, so yeah, they launched a new blue 
um, guitar that, that is really gorgeous. Um, I still think that guitar looks funny without a pickguard. But I'm yeah, so it, preconditioned for a Strat look. I'm so preconditioned for a Strat. But yeah. anyway, um, with that, uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, if if anyone wants to check out more about our podcast, either we have a companion Facebook group, we have an Instagram account that Diaz posts to once in a while. Uh, all our episodes can be found on YouTube. There's also some videos that we have on YouTube periodically, and we post there. Um, you can subscribe there. Uh, you can also don't forget to uh, check out uh, Ben's puddle too. I like it. Yeah, you're ahead of the list. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, all that can be found at theeffectsloop.com. Uh, that's your one-stop shop for everything uh, we do uh, on our link tree. Um, you can also join our Patreon at five dollars a month or more. You join our our secluded, secretive, special, super special group of people who get the episode early, um, and also get to participate in the group chat um, where, where there's a direct line of contact to us, the hosts, uh, help shape the show, see where things go. Um, you can also check out our sponsor, uh, Electric Motive Sound Company. Uh, definitely give Ben's pedals a look. His phasers, his fuzzes, everything he makes is good and can be tweaked. Often he'll tweak it to what you want. I don't want to oversell his, what he's doing but or make his wife miserable, but um, he's got amazing stuff. So check yeah, them out. I'm excited to talk about him again. <laughs> and, and reach out. Um, you know, hit him up on Instagram or wherever you need to find him. Um, and you can sometimes get more out of what you're looking to do. Uh, and so with that, thanks for joining us, Ian. Thanks for joining us again. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, and everyone have a great week. Bye-bye now. Say goodbye, Ian. Bye. Bye.
dictionary. Why is negativity always drawing out picture? Visualize love, energize lives together, together. We undefeated. A plan to make well, there's no gloves needed. When we weed into the mindset of achieving and believing in a community that remains happy. Never after, the world should be one. Hate annihilated, every heart is one. Love again. So.